Yeah, boy! Welcome to the Public Enemy Podcast. My name is Jimmy. You know, if there's any people that are less likely to have a podcast about the band Public Enemy, it's probably us. Probably. Though I think we could. Two, Two of the three. You are listening to the Give Me Five Podcast, episode number 76. This is the Give Me Five podcast, a semi-entertaining show about very entertaining things. My name is Jimmy, and I am joined, as always, by Rob. Don't say it. You better chickity-check yourself before you riggity-wreck yourself. And Greg. I don't think you should have said that either. On the Give Me Five podcast, we discuss pop culture, entertainment, a little bit of hip-hop, and a little bit of nostalgia. This week, we're going to do something new. And I'm very excited about it. Now, as promised, we are going to talk at length about the new Marvel film, Captain Marvel. Woohoo! Greg will review the Lionel Richie, Richie concert. I'm going to do a little bit of review of the concert and a lot of review of the people that sat in front of me. <laughs> and I believe that Rob will be talking about the HBO, I'm sorry, Netflix original, The Order. Mm-hmm. And we will be premiering a song by some... Oh. Yeah, some good friends of ours from California. They are the, a synthwave act, uh, originally an indie outfit. Uh, they are called Lunar 1982. That's L-U-N-R 1982. I don't know. And the song is November is Mine. So we will be premiering that and talking about it. Stick around to the end of the show to hear the whole thing. We'll be playing a clip here as we talk about it. And I'm excited about that. I'm very excited about We've it. We've been so, looking for a chance to get these guys on, and yeah. this is our, kind of our first step to doing so. Yep. And uh, we're going to do that in lieu of me uh, doing a rant. Nice. So, what? No rant? Because nah. Jimmy is not angry about anything. That's a complete lie. You're always angry about something. I'm going to rant about Jimmy not doing a rant. Yeah, oh, excellent. I mean, I, I could. I, I kind of well, did last week, though. Well, we'll figure something out as we go. Okay. And that could be a little bit of a spoiler that we're going to be figuring out things as we go. Pretty much we always figure things out as we go. Uh, if you haven't figured it out yet, then you're going to not have a hard time getting <laughs> spoiled on things. <laughs> then, then you're not that far behind us. Yes, exactly. So we review stuff. In these reviews, there might be some spoilers. There's probably going to be a little bit of spoilers about Captain Marvel. Yes. Uh, it still won't hurt. I don't think it'll hurt the enjoyment of the film. Mm-mm. Um. Definitely no spoilers on Lionel Richie because, you know, he's playing songs that he wrote in 1982. Um, so there'll be some spoilers if you uh, get angry about being spoiled on stuff we've warned you beforehand. So get over it. Send all angry emails to Greg. Anything new, guys? Um, uh, go ahead, Rob. I, I was going to say, I actually, just today, I I went and met with a guy to do some some custom work for me and i'm kind of super excited about it oh um, i'm i'm working on my costume for megacon nice did, did he measure your inseam he mm. did multiple times that's why that's why yeah i was super he's excited. like i'm buying you're like i'm buying a mask he's like hold on let me measure your inseam hold on hold on hold on wait for it okay um but no i'm i'm working on another mashup costume this year 
I've already I've already ordered and gotten a lot of the stuff that I need to make the armor, but I'm planning on doing a Mandalorian mashup, and I'm going to do a Darkwing Duck Mandalorian mashup. Nice. However, okay, the linchpin to this was, of course, the helmet. And if I couldn't get the helmet right, I wasn't going to do it. So I, I went I went and met with a guy, talked to him, and he seemed super excited about it. I'm super excited about it, and it's gonna be it's gonna be a custom made helmet. The that the beak and cheeks are going to poke through, so you're going to be able to see the beak. You're going to be able to tell that it's a duck underneath the helmet, basically. Oh, cool! I'm excited. So, yeah, um, but he does he does great work. He's got really good helmets. Um, he he run his his helmet shop is called Iron Forge, and you can just find him on any of the uh, social media, Facebook. Uh, That's awesome, man. Very cool. And I'll keep you. I'll keep you guys posted and and show you uh, show you stuff at, as as we go along. Awesome. But like yeah. I said, check him out. Iron Forge. That does lead into a little bit of one of my little news bits that I found the other day uh, on the new Ducktales show. Ooh-hoo. They Woo. did. So they actually they had an episode with Della Duck, who is apparently the mother of Huey, Dewey, and Louie. Mm-hmm. And she's trying to soothe some sort of creature, and she sings a lullaby. That lullaby is based on the music from the very cool moon theme from the DuckTales game on the NES. Oh, oh really? And I guess what someone, it, that song was composed by uh, Hiroshige Tonomura, like the original song. Uh, obviously, it has that kind of high-pitched, like, 8-bit sound to it. Uh, someone recorded a version of it on piano, which is actually really nice. And you can find that on YouTube. Um, I think it's like piano version of moon theme or something. But I think it seems like that piano version was sort of turned into this lullaby that she sang. And it's just, it works really well. Like you have to really kind of, I don't know, squint your ears, so to speak, to understand that that's what it is. But after you hear it a couple of times, you're like, oh yeah. Because once you don't hear it in the 8-bit, it's a little hard to kind of wrap your brain around. But it's definitely there. It's very cool. Nice. Very nice. Guys, it's happening. Watch out. I was getting some food today. Uh, No. I was getting some food today, and they had the uh, TV on the news, so I was waiting, and it was worth the wait. A place called Wings and uh, Wings and Fire. Now, what I did see on the news today, and this is exactly how they referred to them: roving gangs of cell phone pickpockets. <laughs> roving that, that gangs. That was how guys. they referred to them. Yep, <laughs> several times. That's awesome. <laughs> it really was. So the new. <laughs> Big thing, the new, you know, shock news is be careful of your cell phone at concert, you know, festivals, things like that, because there are roving gangs of cell phone pickpockets. And all I could think of was dudes with mohawks and like cut off leather jackets and chains. So they should be pretty easy to spot. If you've ever played like Streets of Rage or anything like that, just look for the dudes with like the knee, like the toxic sign on the back, their back. Like uh, red leather suspenders that are yeah. across across their chest, orange mohawks. So look out for that. I've got some really exciting news for me. I don't know if you guys have listened to it. Um, it is quite the time investment. It is 143 episodes. It ran from 2009 to 2014, and of course, I'm talking about the podcast We're Alive. Now, I've been waiting for a long time for them to make this announcement. But we finally got a new story from the producer set in that world. And that world is L.A. during the zombie apocalypse. Of course, worldwide. Uh, it takes place in the U.S., though. 
Um, it is a very, very good take on the zombie genre. Um, if you wanted to give it a go, uh, if you were a little scared that there is 143 episodes, they just released a recap, a series recap. So if you're lazy, you can listen to that. And they kind of fly, they kind of fly by. I haven't done all of them yet, but mm-hmm. I did one through 50 very quick. They're yeah. And they're, I mean, you can hear it's so well produced, you know, when they're in battle, you hear bullets zipping by, mm-hmm. you know? So it's, it's that kind of theater of the mind. Um, very emotional. You get very attached to the characters, but gold rush, the new series is coming out in September. I would highly recommend listening to the recap, but if you start to listen to Gold Rush and you enjoy it, then you're going to want to go back and listen to the 143 episodes. So um, check it out. There was 143, and that's I Heart You. Oh, I Heart You too. Uh, another you. real quick thing here. Uh, Cobra Kai, we reviewed season one on YouTube. Cobra Kai, Cobra Kai season two is debuted, debuting. Is debuting. debuting. Yes, debuting April 24th on YouTube again. Uh, and the first two episodes apparently showed at South by Southwest and were a big hit. Nice. And uh, Rob, Rob, yes. hi. Yes. Uh, do you enjoy salsa? Maybe. D- do you enjoy nuts in your salsa? What? Giggity. Where is this going? I'm liking it. Go ahead. Well, um, while we were off... Well, some people would argue that we're always pretty off, but uh, while we were off the other week and I didn't get a chance to put this in last week, uh, a Tennessee man was accused of dipping his testicles into someone's order of salsa. Was his name Louie? No, no, no. His was, name his, was, was his name Greg? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I would not dip anything in a delicious bowl of salsa, thank you very much, other than chips. Well, then I don't want it. Uh, so Mr. Howard Webb, he is 31 years old. He probably was a driver, delivery driver for a food delivery service. Well, he was upset that a customer only gave him an 89-cent tip for a 30-minute drive. First of all, whenever these delivery services exist, it's probably a good idea to not have the tip amount show up to the driver until after the food is just delivered. Just the tip. Yes, he did just ah, the tip. see what yeah! you <laughs> I'm done. No. So anyway, he uh, put a video on Facebook that showed him putting his balls in it and he said uh, oh it feels good on my and then i'm guessing he did not say testicles because it's in parentheses so he did that why yeah so he said that he has done it more than once or i think he's done it more than once uh well this happened a couple weeks ago his trial started today and the judge had to scold him because he was giggling about it in court and uh, how old is this guy uh, 31 years old he chuckled after entering his plea and was scolded by uh Session Court Judge Robert Hedrick, and his name is Hedrick. They're all, all nothing in the story is good. Um, but Giggity. he is apparently going to be on six months probation now. Uh, he is uh, he appears to be a hairy man. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. so I don't know why that matters, but because if okay. his, okay. his balls were also, yeah. He was, of course, wearing a, it looks like in the video, which I'm not going to watch, it does look like he is wearing a a Confederate flag shirt as well. So there you go. Of course he yes. is. So there you go. Thank you. Jesus. Thank, uh, yes. Thank you, Mr. Webb of Tennessee. Well, guys, I've got a snap decision. I want to dip my balls in it. <laughs> 
You better uh, hope it's mild salsa. That's going to be a problem. <laughs> Maybe for you. As I said before, it's time for Snap Decisions. You sensitive balls. <laughs> okay, so now unless you've... <laughs> Well, if you unless you're living in a hole, mm-hmm. uh, or in or in a mansion that's set up to look like Disney World, then you've most likely heard that the Leaving Neverland documentary came out last week. Uh, we kind of, without talking about it, decided not to really cover the documentary too closely because uh, the show is about fun, goofy stuff, not re- not really about raping children. Mm-hmm. We've kind of decided that without having to discuss it at all. So you know that's why I do a show with these guys. However, one of the news stories that did come out, and I'll talk about this again later as well, was that radio stations are basically pulling Michael Jackson songs off the radio after the documentary. And also, there are, you know, if TV shows featured certain Michael Jackson songs like The Simpsons and stuff, mm-hmm. they also are pulling that those episodes. Well, and you know who else pulled a Michael Jackson featured track? Uh, Drake recently on his world tour really removed a song that featured vocals from Michael Jackson. So, wow. Yeah. It's, it's pretty, look, the, uh, this, the documentary is pretty damning to give it some context. I think it's 100% accurate. I can, you could tell by the way they were shaking when they were talking about certain things and the reactions were fairly natural and there's, it's all allegedly at this point. But, it is, yeah. But at the same time, it, there there's some things that are uh, just a little too weird that even from the stuff we have 100% proof of, even that stuff's weird. Like the thousands of faxes that were sent, things like that. But anyway, the actual question here, not to get too deep into that, is do you think that radio stations and TV shows and stuff should be pulling all of that stuff off based on that information? What do you think, Rob? Um, I, honestly, I, I think that... that we should have learned, if not recently, or, you know, if not over the time recently, that we we need to tender our responses with a little bit more trepidation. Maybe not be so quick to jump to conclusions when somebody's been accused of something until something has been proven. Um, both, both. Two ways. I mean, he, ju- just in light of the whole, uh, what the hell is his name? Juicy Smollett or whatever? Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the hate crime slash race crime or whatever that ended up being staged, that ended up maybe it wasn't staged, maybe it is staged. I mean, everybody deserves to have their shot, their chance. Um, ev- everybody deserves their chance. And we need to, as a society, we need to be a little bit slower, maybe, in jumping to condemn people when stuff comes out. Let let all of the facts be discovered before we pass judgment. If, in fact, he has done these things, absolutely they should pull it. I mean, it's no different than, like, Kevin Spacey with his things, you know, where people are like, oh, well, you know, he'll never work again, blah, 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 blah. And and rightfully so. But, you know, let let the let the facts be sorted out before you start jumping to conclusions or jumping to punish people for things. Well, he's dead. So it's not really punishing him. Well, you, you know what I mean? Yeah. But he, he, if, if he is in fact guilty of this, he does not deserve the legacy that he currently has. Am I wrong? Well, 
I'm going to disagree with you a little bit here because I think just the mounting evidence um, against him um, is just growing further. Have you heard some of the things or have you seen this documentary? No, I haven't. Okay. It's, it's pretty condemning. Um, And there's, there's actual proof too. Like there's artifacts of what these claims have been like a a wedding ring. And uh, as I said before, hundreds of faxes and an FBI and sections of an FBI investigation, but they're never going to try it. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, like, like, like I said, um, let the facts come out. And if the facts come out and it does in fact, you know, it, if if it's very convincing that he in fact did this, then absolutely they should pull it. I I think it is at this point. The facts uh, are out. I think is the yeah. Uh, and and given his history and kind of compounding that and and this new evidence, this new light being shed upon this, um, I believe that radio stations, uh, television outlets are right in pulling his uh, his songs is whatever appearances he did, commercials, everything like that. Um, not only do I think it's right, but I think there would be a huge amount of backlash if they did not. So it makes sense um, from that standpoint as well. Um, his his legacy has been been tarnished. Um, and and I think kind of, you know, we're realizing this and, and kind of rightfully so. So um, pull it. It's fine with me. I don't care. Uh, I, I don't have positive feelings towards that man at all. So as I've said, are, are you squared away? I'm squared away. Yeah. Okay. So as I've said on the, on the show, I used to work in for a radio station for about a half a year or so, a little longer. And one of the things that I was in charge of was taking the numbers from what people are listening to and when they're changing the channel and determining what the playlist should be. So the, the number one song on the radio station or in America for the most part, was decided well before it was actually number one based on phone calls and stuff. And I don't know if they still do it because of the internet boom and stuff, but if these radio stations play a Michael Jackson song and realize that 50% of their audience immediately leaves, I think they have every right to do that. Or if they call and say, okay, we're going to play you some clips of songs. Have you heard the song on the radio? Would you, and what they do is they say, have you heard this? Press one. Would you stay on the station to hear it? Are you hearing it too much? So like back when I was doing it, they would play like a Papa Roach song. Everyone's like, oh, I'm so sick of that song. So they wouldn't play it anymore. Or if everyone was like, oh, that's my jam, they'd keep playing it. So if they still do that and they're like, crap, we got to put some Michael Jackson on here to see what people feel. And if a majority of the people say, nope, I'm not going to listen to that, then it's not up to the station to keep Michael Jackson's, you know, legacy alive or R. Kelly or everyone else anyone else that's having these things done. Um, I think your opinion might be different if you watch that documentary. I had to stop it multiple times to uh, to literally cleanse myself of what was being said. Um, Do you think whose opinion might be different? Yours, if you like I, watch the documentary. No, there's, there's proof. I, that I, I think you guys misunderstood my statement. My statement was not that they shouldn't pull the music off the radio stations. I, I have not followed the story so I don't mm-hmm. know what facts have come out. My opinion is okay. is that if the facts are there to support it, absolutely they should pull it. Okay, yeah, I just don't the, know what the facts are. Yeah, they're and I'm not going to say, oh, absolutely pull it when I don't know the facts. Yeah, I think going into it, I was a little like, okay, whatever. But there is one one of the people was the character witness 
for Michael Jackson during the trials. Mm-hmm. One of the kids that said, oh, I didn't do anything. But as time went on, it came out that his entire career was based on being becoming a choreographer with Michael Jackson's name behind him. Oh, okay. And as after Michael Jackson passed away, it became a little bit different. Whereas, okay, I've, I've forged my own path. I've been in music videos, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm fine now, but it's, uh, yeah, I think that's about that, but I just think there's going to be a little bit more because of the Lionel Richie stuff. Cause I think the concert changed because Lionel Richie was good friends with Michael Jackson. I think, and I'm guessing he swapped some stuff out of his concert. Cause there were some things that was like, wait, that isn't, that doesn't fit everything else, but we'll talk about that in, in a little bit, I guess. So, uh, does that close out snap decisions? Greg, tell us about Lionel Richie. I will. Yeah. So I got the opportunity to cross off another musician that I wanted to see off of my list. <laughs> His hit list. <laughs> off of my hit list. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I didn't see any news stories. <laughs> Not yet. And that would be Mr. Lionel Richie. I grew up listening to Lionel Richie and some of his songs like, uh, well, actually, to be honest, the song Easy, I really fell in love with because of uh, Faith No More, as Jimmy knows. But yeah, for the most part, big fan of Lionel Richie. I put that on when I'm doing stuff around the house. Nice spring day. Lionel Richie comes on the the Amazon thing. Uh, The name of the tour is All the Hits, and it was, in fact, that. It was all of the hits, so lots of love songs, lots of fun songs, a lot of his stuff from when he was in the Commodores. Uh, It was an awesome show. It was, you know, the thing about these kind of shows is it will be the main performer and then some of the most seasoned musicians out there. Incredible guitarist, great drummer, uh, a bass player that looked like a bass player should look. We had the, uh, the leather vest, the mohawk, and the, um, uh, sunglasses all the time. Was he a, a character from Streets of Rage? Yeah, he was actually. He actually, in the middle of the show, stole several people's cell phones and then kicked them in the face. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Did he have a roving gang with him? He had a, yeah, there was like a girl with a whip and there was like a dude with a chain. It was nice. There was at least three guys named Axel. But anyway, so it was really good. The, the musicians were, were incredible. He, Lionel Richie was actually really funny, which I did not know. And his, like his onstage persona was like very cool and suave. But at the same time, he also had that like, like, you know, when Steve Harvey on Family Feud has the guest host that says something like absolutely batshit crazy. It'll be like, you know, things you don't want to see and when you're going into your house and someone's like, make a grandma. grandma. (laughs) (laughs) So like the look that Steve Harvey gets, like he kind of had that. So he'd be talking about like one of the things he talked about is like when he plays the Commodore stuff, he's like, he looks out in the crowd and all the like the younger fans are looking at their parents as their parents are like looking at each other lustily and dancing and grinding and stuff like that and canoodling. And he's like, uh... He's like, so I know after the show that as you're driving home, the kids are going to be like, uh, Mom, so uh, what happened there during Brick House? And uh, he's like, your parents are going to be like, just because you don't know something doesn't mean it didn't happen. <laughs> like, Nice. You and shut I, up and go to bed. Yeah. So, so that was one of my concerns because I was I actually had tried to get my mom to come up for the show. But um, she couldn't <laughs> do it because that's Brick House is like her all time favorite song. So I thought that she, and she actually got me the tickets for as my birthday present. So. That was really cool. Uh, one thing I never, ever, ever thought that I would be able to say is that I've now seen someone perform We Are the World live because I forgot that Lionel Richie wrote that song. So I had no he, idea. 
Yeah. So I he played We Are the World. Um, but before that, before that, he was talking about how lucky he is that he's in good health because a lot of his friends have passed away. And he mentioned uh, the guy from The Temptations that just passed away. He mentioned uh, David Bowie, of course. Uh, there's about five or six people. Uh, the last person he mentioned was Prince. And he's like, I never thought I'd ever – he, he was sad. You know, He's like, I never thought I'd ever say that Prince is gone. And then he went into We Are the World. Well, he wrote We Are the World, but he didn't write it alone. Right. He wrote it with Michael Jackson. So he was talking about people that are gone, and strangely absent from this conversation was the person that he wrote the song with. And I thought that was very interesting and probably something that had just changed very recently, which kind of led to my, my question and why I said I would bring it up again. Um, also, I have to give a little bit of a shout out to the people in front of me. There was a lovely... Uh, I'm not sure who they were. There was these two, like, uh, I'm going to say two redheads, but Rob, don't get excited. So like, they were, they were not your type of, of redheads. Okay. Uh, and they were, didn't quite understand when to stand up in the concert and when not to. So there was quite a few times where I was just staring into their backs because I wasn't going to stand up and block the people behind me during like a slow song where no one was standing up kind of thing. Yeah. It's common uh, concert etiquette. Yeah. Like when they're playing dancing on the ceiling, by all means, stand up and dance on the said ceiling but not during like easy. Um, but that's a whole other thing. But before the show, they were of course playing just random music and a back to Michael Jackson, a Michael Jackson song came on. And the one woman on the right was like, Oh, I can't hear this anymore. And the other one's like, well, why not? One, one woman's like, well, didn't you see the documentary? So the other woman was like, well, yeah, but you know, no one's perfect. <laughs> like no one's perfect. As I said to to my friend next to me, I'm like, no one's perfect is reserved for like, my husband's really nice, but he leaves his dishes in the dish or in the sink, or I don't know, like my coworker's cool, but he takes his shoes off under his desk and it stinks. That's no, I don't. Perfect. Well, yeah, I know you don't, but I'm just saying, like that. That's the nobody's perfect situation. Uh, it should not be reserved for what is uh, documented in said documentary. So. Uh, if you have the opportunity to see Lana Ritchie, he gives it all. He's what, 69 years old or something. Uh, voice was perfect. You know, piano playing was no fun. Rub. No, not, what? Uh, I, no giggity, no offensive term for me saying 69, anything along those lines. No, no, that was expected. I, I, I can't do it when it's expected. <sighs> Fair enough. I'm not your show monkey, Greg. You're going to be replaced by replaced by <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> 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 many it's like the third time that week this week that's happened anyway if you get a chance to see uh, Lionel Richie on this tour or at all uh, I definitely check him out I think he's also doing American Idol now which I might have to check out not I hate those kind of shows but those kind of shows but with him on it I might actually check it out okay well, well, I'll, I'll take it from there Greg I'll move on to my topic the I recently watched the Netflix original series, The Order. Now, have you okay. guys seen this? No, but I'm very interested in what you have to say. The just kidding. I, I... no, I'm kidding. I, I really am. Um, <laughs> the uh, Jimmy, Jimmy's the, punchy. The premise of the movie or of the of the show, I actually really like. Basically, what it is is it's kind of like a werewolves versus dark magic or magic users kind of thing on a college campus, and they're both, there's like secret societies. Go on, like the Skull and Bones or whatever, you know. All but right. they're secret societies. Uh, like back when I was in college. Yeah, exactly. Secret societies. One is one is magic users. One is werewolves. 
And I, I mean, I really like the idea. I really like the premise. And Netflix has has absolutely been hitting it out of the park. I mean, almost everything that they touch is gold. Are they swearwolves? They are, actually. March 27th, what we do in the shadows. <laughs> but this show is probably one of those misses for me. Really? And you got you guys will probably pick it up in the first the first I don't know two episodes maybe if you want to check it out and just watch the first two episodes. Um, this show to me kind of fell victim to really really terrible writing. I'm not sure if the actors were terrible or if they were just written that way, if they were directed that way or what, but everybody. And I mean, everybody in this friggin' show has absolutely no form of impulse control whatsoever. Like, everybody does shit just as it comes into their head without thinking about anything. And I'm like, what the the fuck is going on? That would drive me insane. Like, there's the, the main character I was so annoyed with for like the first four episodes. Because he's trying to get in this secret order of magic users. And and everywhere he goes, he's in public places. And everywhere he goes, he's like talking to people in front of audiences and going, Oh, hey, how about that secret order, the Hermetic Blue Rose? Oh, you're in it too. I want to be in it. Let's get in it. I want to be in that with you. Hey, everybody, the Hermetic Order of the Blue Rose. And it's like, shut the fuck up, dude. Really? I'm a vampire. Exactly. (laughs) I'm like, how in the... And and somehow he gets in. I'm like, how in the <laughs> fuck do you let this guy in? He's shown you the whole time that he's not capable of keeping any kind of secret whatsoever. Well, now that I'm in the secret order, where's my t-shirt? Yeah, I mean, he's been talking about it to, like, anybody who will listen. <laughs> it's like, what the hell, bro? I mean, and, and, it, and, like, the first four episodes are like that. Nobody, nobody... Does, and I'm like amazed that any of these orders are secret. I'm like, how the and and if not that's anymore. if that's not bad enough, the werewolf or the secret werewolf order is killing like a student a day. I'm like, hold <laughs> the the death rate at this campus has got to be through the roof. Jeez. I'm like, who the hell would go to this school? <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck, man. <laughs> I mean, nobody has any form of self-control whatsoever. And it just, it just, it just gets worse. And I'm like, what? This is, this is dumb. Now, was this aimed towards young adults or was it definitely like more of an R rating? It's probably an R rating. There's a lot of profanity and stuff in it, but, and, and the grandfather grandfather of the main character is so hell bent on getting revenge that he doesn't give a shit about anything. And, you know, his his grandson is in college and his grandson's telling him, you know, oh, I'm having this really hard time, you know, classes and blah, 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 blah. And Grandpa's like, yeah, fuck that shit. Why aren't you in this secret order yet? You need to get in there so that we can kill these bastards. And I'm like, what? Wow. Grandpa's <laughs> got a potty mouth. I'm like, what the? Jesus, man, come on. Yeah, Reminds no, me of my grandpa. It, it, is, it is definitely a miss for me. That I I would not I would not recommend this show. I I do not think I will be watching season two. I mean, I had to finish season one, but I'm like, yeah, I don't I don't need to see this shit again. This is terrible. Mm-hmm. And and I and I think it's I think it's mainly due to just bad writing 
But but I'd really like you guys to check out like the first two episodes and tell me what you think. I'll give it a shot. I have got such a list of things to watch, but mm-hmm. I'll, I am actually very engrossed in Kingdom. Thank you, Jamie. You're I'm, very welcome. Yeah, I've, I started episode one. I was going to do one episode a night, and it was like nope. the first night I did two episodes, and the second I did two episodes. I got two more episodes left, but it's yeah, it all happens yeah. pretty quickly. When, what's interesting is when I was editing the podcast, you had said it was beautiful and it had beautiful cinematography like three times. And then I watched it, and I decided after I watched it to actually leave in all three mentions because you were damn, <laughs> you were damn right. Yeah. Okay, so if you get frustrated easily, uh, I suggest not watching uh, The Order. Is that what it is? Yeah. And if you like beautiful cinematography, you could watch Kingdom. The first big movie of the year came out, and that is a Marvel movie, of course, and it is Captain Marvel. We promised you we would talk about it. The official blurb about the movie is Carol Danvers becomes one of the universe's most powerful heroes when Earth is caught in the middle of a galactic war between two alien races. Uh, It is directed by indie directors and written by Anna Bowden and Ryan Fleck. It is starring Brie Larson, Jude Law, Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah, kind of, as someone wrote. (laughs) (laughs) His spirit is there. Yeah, but if you watch him run, you can definitely tell that he's 70. He, He moves a little stiff, yeah. Yeah. Uh, ben Mendelsohn, who was, uh, of course, in Rogue One. Uh, Nat Benning, Lashana Lynch, Clark Gregg, Gemma Chan, Digimon Hansuo, who I can't never pronounce his name, and Lee Pace, amongst others. Guys, what'd you think? Hang on, wasn't Lee Pace in another Marvel movie? He was the same character in both. He was <gasps> Ronan. He's Ronan. Did you not know that? Yeah! Also, Pace makes a lovely salsa and is most likely testicle-free. <laughs> New York City! <laughs> exactly. And uh, Digimon Hunsuo was also in Guardians of the Galaxy. He was, <gasps> he was... Is there is there a connection? There might be. What? Come on, yeah. people are saying that this isn't connected to Avengers at all. Yeah, right. So, so, so what'd you guys think? What'd you guys think? Come on, I want to hear. All right. I'll go head on with that. Go for and, it. And uh, so <laughs> uh, I thought it was good. Let, let me say this. I was thoroughly entertained. I'm not going to say it's the greatest Marvel film. I'm not going to even say it's in the top five Marvel films for me. No, no, no. Um, I had some problems with it, most specifically the music. And uh, I, I wrote down here that the movie is like somebody who didn't grow up in the 90s tried to make a movie set in the 90s. Yes. It's like, I get it. Okay, you're playing – these songs that were huge hits in the nineties at the completely wrong times. Mm-hmm. Like they just didn't like some of the songs came out after 1996 when this movie, I think is set. Well, and this big battle towards the end starts with. And I'm just like, no, why no, I get I, it. Well, but I, I hate no doubt anyway, but I, I was just like, are you serious? Like, hey, let's, let's okay. be honest. She would have totally been an L7 fan back then. Yeah. Not, right? not, no doubt. Yeah. No, definitely. Um, so I had a, a big problem with the music. I just didn't think it fit. I just thought it was like, Hey, what songs were big in 1990? Whatever. So, um, you know, I had a lot of problems with it, but I, I was, uh, I was thoroughly entertained and we will get to some of these problems. I don't want to like jump ahead and just be like, Oh, I didn't like this part. I didn't like this part. So. Uh, we'll get to it, but what, what did, what did you guys think? I'll, I'll piggyback on that music thing. Okay. And I really, I did enjoy the movie. I thought I actually, I, I, for the most part, like the music, 
although it was definitely, I think, unfortunately, uh, Ready Player One kind of broke me on references. Mm-hmm. So like, that's you, true. You could, so you could kind of pick out certain things, like it's outside like, of that ugh. one convenience store, there was it was plastered in bush posters, like things like that. But so in some ways, that was a little weird. But the they, I, didn't, we, I didn't actually like the score, and I don't know if it was the theater I was in. Was it super quiet for you guys? Yes. It was and there were crazy there quiet. were there were some very emotional notes like her rising up from something and that it wasn't loud enough. And then there were parts that were not uh very emotional and all of a sudden the score swelled and it didn't fit. Like it was almost like when you're at a movie theater and you hear the music from the movie next door. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and it was something I never noticed and that time I did. So that was a little bit of a problem, but I don't know if that was the theater I was in because well, the last the last movie I saw that was um, uh, that had a great score was um, uh, Alita: Battle Angel, and I but I saw that in IMAX and mm-hmm. it had some of the best audio editing I've heard this year at least. Um, for me, that would be Blade Runner, uh, uh, yeah, and I saw that in the same theater. Okay, so Rob, what did you think? Did you think it was quiet? Um, I. I notice music far less than you guys do. I I actually did not have too much problems with the score. I did like the music that they chose for the for the battle on the ship at the end, where she was fighting the. Oh, you did. Yeah, I, I liked the music. Wasn't right. it? I'm just a girl or something. Yeah. It. Yeah, it was. It 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 had a good pace to it, and that was. That's kind of what was working for me. It wasn't necessarily the the music, but it was the beat that was going along with it. Um, I thought it had a good a good beat and a good pace to it for the fight scene, and then the the music that played as during the space battle I thought was good as well. I didn't really notice the music as much as you guys do, but I I loved the movie. I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, the uh, there was there was a lot of that stuff where like because of being in high school the first half of the 90s and in college the second half of the 90s, I'm very keyed into when music came out because I remember when I bought it mm-hmm. and like when I was listening to it. So there's a lot of the songs came out like, oh, I was in high school when that came out. And then the movie is basically set pretty much the time that I was getting ready to go to college. And so a lot of the other music came out like, oh, I was already a sophomore in college. So it wouldn't have been at the same time. Um, so that was definitely kind of a thing that, that I caught. Um, although I did, I was happy to hear some of the '90s music, and you know, I was another one of those movies where, as I left, I put on like the '90s radio station on, uh, you know, Amazon Prime thing. So, so that, that that's some of the the negatives and a little bit of the positives. So, let's just talk about some of the things that we we liked and the character and all that stuff. I guess uh, I thought she was I, I enjoyed her as a character. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's some things I wanted to see more of, Such and as. uh. There was a very big part of me going into the movie that kind of wanted to see a little bit of Top Gun. You know, oh, wanted okay. to see, you wanted I wanted to, to see, see more of her as the human pilot. Yes. And I wanted, I wanted to see, like, they showed some of the space battle, but it obviously, like, it didn't go well. So they didn't really show too much of that. But I, going into it, I was, I was really keyed up to, like, the, you know, cause they had showed pictures of her walking on the tarmac and sunglasses and all that stuff. And I'm like, that'd be kind of cool to see a, some references to Top Gun or to, that kind of movie. Cause I haven't really seen, we haven't really seen that kind of movie in a while. Yeah. The, no beach ball scene. Yeah. I, I wanted to see like shirtless dudes playing volleyball. Uh, not in this movie. No, but spoiler alert. 
Yeah, um, so there's that. Uh, I loved the villain. And so, so can we can we spoiler alert that? Yeah, a uh, big spoiler alert because you're not going to gather this from the trailers. Yeah, so there was a few things I thought going into the movie, one of which was that they are going to very much lead to the Secret Empire storyline, which half of the Marvel Universe has really been scrolls all along, particularly in the comics, uh, uh, Black Widow. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that the scrolls aren't really all that bad in this movie. Um, you know, it's kind of like war is hell on both sides and whoever wins the war writes the story, but you know, they, they were, weren't very many left and they were kind of on the run and the Jude Law character, which he was naughty. Yeah. He was actually kind of the bad guy. And which is weird because when I first saw that he was cast, I'm like, he had, when, you know, in regular movies, okay, he could be, he's fine. But I would think in a superhero movie, I would have cast him as a bad guy too. So when I first saw the casting, I'm like, oh, he has to be the bad guy. Um, so I, I thought that that little change, because in the comics, the scrolls are very, very bad. They started off as Fantastic Four villains, which is even more interesting to me because the Fantastic Four will most likely have a Marvel movie soon. So you were kind of thinking, okay, the scrolls are going to be the next big thing because they've been building up for 21 movies to Thanos. What's next? You know? Right. Is Thanos a scroll? Uh, no. Okay. But aren't, uh, aren't the Kree bad also? The Kree are just warlike. They are um, just uh, just warlike, like they're because the Kree were part of the first invasion force in in the first Avengers movie, right? Uh, no, no, in the first the first Avengers movie, it was the they didn't have the rights to the Kree or the scrolls or anything, so it was uh, the I want to say the Skrillex, but that is not right. <laughs> That's a DJ. It is a DJ. Uh, the oh god, what are they called? Uh, oh, research department. Because I thought it was, I thought it was the Kree, you know, based on Ronan and everything. Uh, no, the the uh, the Chitari, the the Chitari were the first villains. Oh, okay. Now the but, Kree had Ronan the Kree was definitely one of Thanos's uh, lieutenants. Uh, or, or, well, I, I he was in Guardian. He was in Guardians of the Galaxy, and he was trying to get something, but he just he's called the Accuser. He's again, he's uh, sort of a galactic level Punisher type character. Whoever he deems unworthy has to die. Okay. But what, didn't so, he interact with Thanos at one point? I think so. Yeah, because I thought he reported to Thanos, so he was under Thanos' command. I think he was just doing Thanos a favor or was being forced to do something. I don't know. I have to go back and watch all of them again. Okay. But the Kree have been seen in some episodes of the uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. TV show. Okay. So they are they do exist amongst the some of the earlier things. One of the biggest stories of the 80s in Marvel Comics was the Kree-Skrull War. It kind of led right. through a bunch of things, but the, the Skrull were more of the bad guys. And there's, I guess it's it's kind of right. There are some good guy Skrulls or some bad guy Skrulls or some good guy Kree, some bad guy Kree. That's kind of the the way it works. So, yeah, there's definitely some of that. But the Skrulls were in this were definitely sympathetic characters and didn't start off that way. And I that was one of my favorite parts of the movie, partially because I think that the actor is really good. That played the lead scroll. Okay, so you liked that they that the scrolls weren't bad guys, basically. That they were. Victims. I did. I did actually. I like that a lot because it was a surprise. I I love the like reveal, how it kind of it was like oh shit this is serious, and then Goose walks up and he's just like ah, yeah yeah yeah, which was awesome. In the, well, in we're the house. yeah we're definitely going to spend at least twenty minutes talking about the cat in a little bit I think because probably yeah. Uh, 
another character which we didn't really talk about too much, but uh, so first of all, Captain Marvel, I thought she was great. Um, I thought that she did a good job. Some people said that she was a little weird. Like, I, I, I kind of like that. I've heard people refer to her as dead-eyed, but if, if you watch the movie, she, she certainly is not. Um, she's got a very dry sense of humor, mm-hmm. uh, very deadpan delivery. I mean, she's by no means a, she by no means plays a comedian, but she has that military acumen, mm-hmm. um, and the kind of that, that sense of humor that comes from that. So, uh, that, that kind of explains the character a little bit. And I thought she played it very well. Yeah. And I thought she really shined when playing off of the, the little girl character, Monica, I think her name was, uh, Lieutenant Trouble. Yeah. Yes. Like when, when they were playing off of each other, it's kind of like the little girl nope. and then the Monica. Like- Monica was the uh, was Monica Rambo was her uh, her was friend, right? Yeah. No, I thought well, Monica the, her, was the daughter. I think Monica's the daughter. Monica's the, the little girl because um, oh, because she okay. actually yes, Monica Rambo is the daughter. Yeah. So I she Marie uh, was her mom. Yes. So I I thought the like aunt kind of like you know good friend aunt kind of character thing was really cool. And Monica Rambo is actually a character that was much more important than Captain Marvel in the eighties. And she was a, she was, depending on which comic you're reading, she was a member of the Avengers, uh, either called Pulsar or Photon or Spectrum, depending on like which comic you're reading and how, what era it was. Mm-hmm. Daughter and, of Maria Rambo. Yeah. And she was, um, basically a Captain Marvel throughout the eighties. So it was kind of an interesting thing. And remember this movie was set in the nineties, as Jimmy said. So she'd be what? about, what gave you that impression? Uh, I don't know. I'm just a girl <laughs> and I smell like teen spirit. And uh, so she'd be about 35 years old. Craig, yes. I got to stop you because I feel like you're chasing waterfalls right now. <laughs> How many bad 80s references or 90s references are we going to get in for the rest of the episode? A I lot. Hate, I hate you. Game on. <laughs> Do you hate everything about us? Game on. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Okay. Let's just be everything's then. So she would be about 35 years old in the current Avengers timeline. So maybe we'll see uh, her show up at some point i'm the leprechaun (laughs) Uh, just keep going i'm sorry i'll stop yes so since you're talking about scrolls uh do you think that anyone is a scroll now like in the current marvel universe like that's Mm -hmm. big questions okay so maybe fury in the next spider-man movie that see that was my thought but then they kind of showed the scrolls as being good so i was kind of wondering about that but did you catch the toast situation? No. No. So, when they're asking Fury something about themselves, he says that he refuses to, to eat, eat toast, toast when it's cut diagonally. Yes. And it might have been just a slip-up. However, it might have just been a gag, whatever. But it's a little weird because in the Avengers Age of Ultron, Fury very visibly eats diagonally cut toast. So that mm. might just that might be Marvel being way smarter than us, but... There's a scene um, that he does in Avenger- in Age of Ultron that he does eat it. Cut uh, I mean, he did have, like, the first interaction with the Skrull as a human. Yeah. Are we, like, doing conspiracy uh, theory right now? I think I think we might be looking yeah, way yeah. too far into it. Okay. Well. That was, like, a few. That was several movies ago. Yeah, but once and you it, let that genie out of the bottle. You I don't know. It the it, right it, way. <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel like if they were to come out and do that in Endgame and be like, hey, surprise, I'm a scroll," like, and just be like, I don't care. 
they're good. Yeah. Sweet. I, <laughs> all right. Awesome. What? Okay. Fine. Can can you be anyone? Like, yeah. So anyway, I, I feel like if anybody was a scroll to answer that question, that they'd be good. Yeah. Unless there's like the one naughty scroll who comes up and he's just like, "Hey, I'm a naughty naughty scroll." Little goblin. That sounds so creepy. Well, the naughty the naughty scroll is the super scroll, and he has all of the powers of the Fantastic Four. So it's possible that you know he I might be a breakaway. Fantastic Four. Uh, so that's that's one of the things with the scrolls. Uh, do do you think? Oh, I guess I don't know why we didn't start off with this. What about that new Marvel opening, like the new Marvel uh, title? Oh, I know, right? I don't. It, I don't even remember it. What happened? It was it just was, all Stanley. It was all oh. Stan Lee's appearances in the movies and other things, comics, oh. cartoons, stuff like that. Yeah, and then and, it went all and black, the, and it said, "Thanks, Stan." Yeah, the, my my theater collapsed. Oh well, my theater kind of just went, huh? Yeah, like that. Oh, kind of wounded. And then, and then when sad, he made his cameo in this movie, my theater went, "Oh, yeah, same." Now, was that actually? Was that actually a Stan Lee cameo or no? Was that, that was a scroll. Was that <laughs> Stanley's a scroll? <laughs> that would be awesome for the next movie to have us to have Stanley appeared like CG and then have him morph into a scroll. That'd be kind of. I think that would be super appropriate. Yeah, I yeah. think he would laugh at that. True, true. All right, you hear us, Disney? You need to do it. I don't think Disney hears us. Shit, <laughs> Disney, can you hear me? Now, I do want to talk a little bit about the power level of Captain Marvel. 9,000. Over 9,000. Yeah, yeah. She's she's a gear 7 or a gear 12, I, uh, 7 star something. I I definitely enjoyed the scene at the end where she flew up and took on the ships. I thought the scene was great. I'm just, I'm always concerned when they overpower a, a character. I think that's a one creature. of the problems. Creature too. Uh, I think that's be- one of the problems with like a Superman type character. Yeah, I mean, she's definitely going to encounter something in uh, in Endgame. I she's not going to just the movie is not going to be fifteen minutes long. She's going to walk up and kill Thanos in reverse time, just like that. Um, I thought it was great when her powers were finally unleashed, and she was just really having fun with it. Mm-hmm. She was just like woohoo and just like smashing through ships and stuff. But I love that costume too. I do. The costume was pretty, like pretty my, damn great. You're like, talking about like when she was in space, well, with the like the thing that goes over her face and like her hair yeah. comes out of the top like a mohawk. It's it's been one of my favorite costumes since they since I think it was created by Kelly Sue DeConnick or like in a comic written by Kelly Sue DeConnick. And it's the second that I actually bought that comic specifically because of that costume on the cover. I thought you were going to say you bought that costume. I would totally cosplay as that. I think I would look good. I would. Yeah, I would totally do a gender bent uh, Captain Marvel. Hell yeah! So I mean, it's it's cool that they have someone with that much power, but I mean, we've we've got a lot now with a lot of super powered characters, and I do wonder it, that that's going to push it too much between like uh, her, it, Thor, the Hulk. Those are well, but but in all honesty, she is a galactic level hero. So yeah. I mean, her her power does need to exceed that of say Iron Man. Yeah, because obviously it didn't work for them, mm-hmm. right? Work for what? Like the it didn't work for the hero. It didn't work okay. for the Avengers in Infinity War. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Nobody was strong enough to take Thanos out, except for Peter Quill, but he effed up. True. True. So that lead, led to a question. I actually saw a question online that people were like, "Well, why didn't Nick Fury 
if he knew that this powerful person exist existed, and we know that he called her at the end of the Avengers Infinity War, why didn't he call her sooner? Why didn't he call her when, like, for example, New York was under attack by a bunch of villains, and you know, he didn't know the Avengers were going to come together, really. He was trying to get them together, but there were still some issues there. So why didn't he call her sooner? And act- this was a question that was actually posed to uh, uh, Kevin Feige from Marvel. Sure. Mm-hmm. What do you say? So I-, I cannot take credit for this, or we shouldn't take credit. It was Peter Serretta of Slash Film. He asked, uh, I need probably an answer for this. Why did Nick Fury not use the pager until Infinity War? Because this big hole opened up in the sky and aliens attacked New York City. And he says, I have two things. One, she does say it's got to be a real emergency. Okay. So he didn't really know it was a real emergency until, you know, basically it started being an emergency and then the Avengers finished it. So it was fine. But the other thing was, and he says that it was just a city. It wasn't not the entire world or the entire universe. Uh, the other thing is, how do you know he never actually tried? It's possible that he hit the button and it just didn't get to her in time because she's like really far away. So he might galaxies away. So he might have hit the button. She just didn't get here. And then he was like, oh, shit, never mind. So just because you didn't see it didn't mean he didn't try, which is, you know, it's, I get it's a bit of a cop out, but it does make sense. Mm-hmm. And we'll, of course, be covering a little more about about that in a bit. Um, so I guess let's talk. About, what do you think? Should we talk about the, the de-aging technology? That's one of the things I want to talk about. Or do you I know you're have, obsessed with that. So go ahead. I just thought it looked it's every movie. It looks better. I did think Clark Gregg looked uh, Agent Coulson looked a little rubbery. I I see. I haven't seen yeah. Agents of Shield. Like when he showed up, everybody was like, "Oh my god!" And I was like, "He's on a TV show, right?" Yeah, like he looks the same. I didn't. I, I never really him saw him young, so I don't know if that's what he actually looked like young. I have seen Samuel Jackson young, so that might be the reason. Yeah, they got everything right with Sam Jackson. Yeah. Young Sam Jackson. I mean, I was even watching the scenes where he's like touching his eye, mm-hmm. which we now found out how he lost his eye. Um, but he's like rubbing his forehead when he gets knocked down and you can see just kind of the pores move mm-hmm. with it. And it is absolutely fantastic. Yep. And then, I, well, you mentioned the eye. So who wants to talk about the best part of the movie? The flurkin glurkin or whatever the, the hell the, it was the called. Flir- the good old flurkin. That was awesome. So, <laughs> so once you talk about it, Rob, I, I was, I, you know, the whole movie, I thought it was just one of those things where, you know, they're looking at the cat and it's it's like, oh, you know, and, you know, they have this they, they have this weird fear of. Yeah, I thought it was like, gonna be like a superstition thing. You know, yeah, like, yeah like, exactly. Like some cultures don't allow dogs in the house or something like that. Like and, I thought it was going to be more like that. And then the cat swallowed the Tesseract. And I was like, what the hell is that? Action just kind of swallowed the Tesseract. It, its face opened up into like a, what would be the equivalent of like a giant squid. Yeah, like, like a, the, a nine the, tentacled monster that that, that or, thing that Han Solo was was shipping around or in the the first uh, Star Wars whatever yeah, movie that came out. Yeah, and and these tentacles shoot out and they grab villains and slam them against the wall and the ceiling and the floor. And I was like, holy shit! This cute I was like, cat. I was like, Ben's still alive from the Umbrella Academy. And he lives inside of a cat now. Yep. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, that's it true. Was, but was, in the past, it was great. Yeah, I thought the, yeah. the cat was great. There was some people complained, like, "Oh, it's the porgs all over again." Because like there was a, there was like one scene where the cat is like being pressed back as the ship takes off. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I was like, "Yeah, it's fine." You know, it's it's supposed to be a fun movie. That's a fun scene. Let it be the 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 cat. Every time it was on the screen, people laughed. People went aw. 
So well, I was, I was and, happy with the cat. And it was really and, nice to my cat when I got home that night. Yeah. But I, I will say that they did telegraph several things, um, the cat being one of them. Because mm-hmm. for no reason, there's this cat inside a super secret military installation that has just starts following them around. And it's like, where did this cat come from? Yeah, that's going to be a, that's going to be a thing. And then the Nick Fury thing was like, nobody calls me. uh, People only call me Fury. No one ever calls me Nick or Nicholas. What about your mom? Nope. She called me Fury. And so you knew that something was going to come up with like a scroll thing where a scroll calls him Nicholas. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they telegraphed that and they, they totally tell, I don't know if you guys picked it out first, but, picked it out before it happened but they totally telegraphed i was like oh that doesn't give her her powers that's an inhibitor oh yeah yeah i I, well as soon as soon as i saw how she got her powers i was like oh that's an inhibitor that's not that's not a uh that doesn't give her her powers yeah what the thing on her neck yeah yeah oh that was more i i knew that but not because i figured out telegraph wise i knew it from the comics oh okay i mean they didn't I, I knew something with the power and whatever. Like I figured, I, I yeah, figured I, there had to be something that was keeping her, that was holding her back. Yeah, I leaned over to Jen. I'm like, oh, that thing on her neck is an inhibitor. It's not a power yeah. source. And I was behind you, and I was like, shut up. <laughs> no, you weren't. I don't remember that. No, you guys have been very bad at installing the '90s music references. By the way, it's been a while. Music's not my thing, bro. Hmm. Whatever. I would definitely recommend it in at least IMAX. I saw it in IMAX. I probably could have seen it in 3D. The 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 part with the cat and the tentacles probably would have been awesome in 3D. <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. And the and the space type thing. Uh, one other little thing. Well, let's. I'm going to do a complaint that's probably me. Uh-huh. But I, it's weird because I read. I used to read comics specifically. Oh, one of the things I liked was the kind of fake technology. Like where they could just piece something together really quick and in a couple yeah. of pages. Uh, yet in movies, that drives me nuts. So the fact that they were able to take a ship and then do a little bit of welding on it and all of a sudden fly in space up against ships that were made for flying in space and survive. Uh, you don't yeah. you don't buy that shit? No, I don't. And it might be because I've you know, read enough of the like, what are the the book? The guy that gets stuck on Mars. Um, Martian. John, John Carter. Carter? No, no, Martian. Uh, like stuff like oh. that, where where it goes into the the, the science. <laughs> Jimmy, and I, Jimmy, I'm right there with you, bro. Yeah, so like because I know a little more of the science behind exactly what it takes. Like that kind of stuff drives me nuts. Or even like the just doing a thing, a couple things with the wires on a payphone and calling into outer space. That kind of stuff. Like I get it, pushes the story along. Wires, a payphone, and a Game Boy. Yeah, like and it doesn't matter how good how advanced your technology is, you have to have the materials. That kind of thing. That drives me nuts a little bit in movies. And technically with a ship, it didn't really even need to happen. I mean, they were in a top secret facility. It could be very well that they used the technology that they found. They didn't have to do that part. Like they didn't have to have them rebuild the ship. They could have just had the ship be in the top secret facility. And it was something they were already developing. Because what they wanted to do was show that the ship was a a precursor to the shield, like jump ships or drop ships. To the, to the faster than light travel. Well, like the ships that they, that they, that the Avengers Quinjet, like that was supposed to be like an early version of the Avengers Quinjet. Oh, okay. Like so they wanted to kind of show like the, the, well, not template, but the, the, what's it called? Like when they make the, the first version of something like they do it with cars. Prototype. Prototype. There we go. So they wanted to show the prototype. Well, and, but it also depends upon, I don't remember exactly how it was that they worded it, but it would also depend upon how they worded it because if it, it could have been something as simple as 
adding extra oxygen supply. And that wouldn't, you know, because if the ship was already spaceworthy, it depends on how they worded it, how they said it in the in the show. Because if he just says, "I'm going to make some upgrades so that we can so that we can get to the ship," then maybe he just added some oxygen supply. Now, I I want to know what what you guys really thought about that last fight scene because th- there there were a couple of scenes that really got some kind of emotional reaction from me. Jen actually like teared up at a couple of parts in the um, in the movie. Mm-hmm. But I, that fight scene at the end, I was like, oh. I mean, when she went up there and took on those ships, I mean, did did it get the same reaction from you guys or what? It it got a real, I wouldn't say like goose flesh or anything, mm-hmm. but it, it got a real kind of rise out of me. Like, finally. Like, a, yeah, okay. let's do this. Yeah, this is this is Captain Marvel. Let's do this. Let's bring the Avengers back. Here we go. Here's the start of this. Here's why she's, you know, the most powerful Avenger. Yeah, like, I thought it was good. Again, the audio was a little dull on mine. But so I would say, like, I don't know if it was as good as, like, Wonder Woman climbing out of the the trench or the first Avengers Assemble thing, like, in the middle of the road. But... Mm-hmm. It was it was good, and I was I was very surprised at how powerful they let her be. The Marvel like producer people, right? Um, but I didn't think it was awesome. I was like, oh wow, she just flew right through that thing, didn't she? She did, and the ship blew up. Yeah, and then and then the little the little threatening where she let him go, the little threatening part where she just kind of hovers in front of the ship and like smashes her fist into her other hand. Uh-huh. <laughs> the guys, oh. the guys on the ship are like. Uh, what do we do? Let's get out of here. Let, no, let's let's go. I when she <laughs> turned and was putting her hands out to the side, I totally expected her to, her to uh, flip them off with both fingers. I was a little <laughs> disappointed she didn't. Oh yeah, that would have been good. But I, I very much enjoyed that. I that that fight scene was very well done. I liked it a lot. Yeah, you mentioned telegraphing, and I. This is something that they did telegraph. I was wondering if the scrolls were going to be good because they had the lead scroll guy joke with something, or there was like a little kind of comedy bit with him very early on when he appears. Mm-hmm. But I think I think it was with his like minions. I don't exactly remember he, what it was. Where I was like, wow, he's way more personable than someone that would be a straight up villain. It yeah, wasn't the science well, there was, guy. There was a scene where they had her captured, and he was he was talking with his with his um, subordinates, I guess. Yeah. And she was like catching bits and pieces of his conversation. And he was saying things like, wait, 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 no, no, no. What's that? Go back, go back. And he, he's talking to them like, oh, you know, hey, what's on? What's going on? Guys? Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he was like, oh, oh, get out of here. You try it. Yeah. 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 Was, I think there it was right on there. Little tiny funny bits in there. And I was like, okay, well, is that just the quirky actor or is that kind of a little bit of a sign that he's not the typical bad guy? Like, you know, you failed. I'm killing you. Right. Uh, so. Rob, you always cover this. Should people stick around for the end credits? The answer is always yes with Marvel movies. It's, but it's a freaking Marvel movie. Yes, you should stay until the blue screen of death. You have to. Mm-hmm. What and did you think of that first credit scene? The the first credit scene was oh yeah I well I knew she was going to show up uh, yeah. but it was basically the first credit scene was spoiler well i I thought i thought it was weird because the first credit scene was present day and then the last credit scene was really kind of more for a gag 
And but it was it flashed back in time mm-hmm. to uh, uh, the nineties. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Jimmy, come on, give me some nineties music. Something as opposed to nineteen eighty five. Yeah. So like I don't know. Uh, would, you, would you say that was the end of the road? I think it was actually the crossroads. Oh uh, yeah. Okay. Excellent. Well, I'll make love to you. No, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So the the last. You know what's funny? I actually called what the last one was going to be because it's an easy joke when cat. Like I knew there was going to be the cat. Mm-hmm. And I knew as a cat owner that the easiest joke in the world is the hair, the good old hairball sound, because there's nothing more horrifying when you wake up to that sound in the middle of the night. I'm I'm convinced that if they were to make an alarm that mimicked the sound of either a cat or a dog getting ready to vomit, that nobody <laughs> would ever sleep through their friggin' alarm. That is actually a genius idea. We should come up with one of those. That should definitely be on our website. And it needs to it needs to be loud enough, but it'd be. Like, <laughs> And I mean, because anytime I freaking hear that, I'm like up jumping out of bed. I'm like, what? No, 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 not in the bed, not in the bed. Yep. <laughs> Running, holding the dog at the end of your arms outstretched. Just just trying to find tile. Yes. Yep. Because you know what's going to happen. You just don't want it to happen on the carpet or on the bed. I used to toss my dog in the bathtub when it was happening. And she got to the point where she would, uh, uh, the one dog that was a genius scout, she would actually jump into the bathtub and barf down the drain. I would occasionally see barf near the drain. I'm like, oh, I guess she threw up today. But she never barked on the carpet. Yeah, and the other one, of course, was uh, the Beeper, you know, the the remaining members of the Avengers, basically the original Avengers, sitting around trying to figure out what to do with this Beeper thing. Well, everybody had, except Iron Man. Yeah, and they were trying to, uh, they were they kept it powered, and they're like, it just went off. Like, it stopped. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, and then it, re- that, th- it was kind of ominous the way she appeared. So, I, like, I think she's going to be more hardened when she, in the Avengers Endgame movie, because she was just like, where's Fury? And, like, they kind of did this, like, horror movie type. Like, yeah, like, uh, like the, the slow camera pan, and then the sudden snap back to the to the one side as yeah. the character turns around, and she's just standing there. It's like, oh, Duh. wait a minute. Duh. Yep. Yeah, she's obviously seen th- some things in the, uh, what, like, 22, 23 years that she's been gone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I she's mean, She's aged very well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's going to be Captain Marvel too, um, but you know we're going to get Endgame before that, and uh, I was super. I I was more excited for Endgame after seeing that after credit scene yep. than I have been so far. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, I was excited. It, it's hard because I was very excited, but <laughs> I don't believe it's that phrase. <laughs> <laughs> It's hard to be any more excited. No, I'm. I can't. I'm just done. No, stop. Just stop. Just stop. Yeah, I'm. I'm keeping that in. But collaborate and listen. Nice. Thank you. Uh, let's talk about the financials real quick. Now the movie has been out for one extended weekend. People were, of course, as you learned from last week, trying to boycott the movie. They failed miserably. I thought they would. Everyone thought they would. Terribly. Hundred and fifty-three million dollar opening weekend. The top nice. office of office of 2019 so far, which actually isn't saying much because 2019 has had pretty bad box office, and it's also just started. Yeah, it's true. Uh, second biggest debut for a solo Mar- Marvel character that was right behind Black Panther, 302 million dollars internationally. Uh, so combined, those two lead up the domestic and international gross. What was number three uh, for the the solo character debut? I'm no, for sure. the for the Marvel character. Debut. Oh, not never mind. I thought Yeah. 
That's what happens when you have a franchise that's responsible for everything. Yeah, um, pretty much. You you don't know what what the third Marvel highest debut was? Was it Thor or uh maybe maybe Iron Man? I'm not sure. Iron Man, Captain America, Thor. It's it. I would assume it's one of those. I don't think it was Ant Man. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think it was Doctor Strange. I don't know. But uh, 455 million global debut basically here and everywhere else. Nice. Uh, of course, the largest ever for a female led film, which uh, actually beat Beauty and the Beast. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, that was the the previous. What was, what was the opening for Alita? Uh, here it was like 46. And globally, I'm not sure. Oh, okay. It ended. It's at about 72. Well, it was at 72 last week when I looked. Uh, oh, but nowhere not, close not, to 455. No, I'm talking. Well, 72 here. Not. I don't know with when the in the world because I I did not see. So. Guys, uh, let's do our little rating system real quick. See it, how, when, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Video, IMAX, 3D. I'm going to go out on a limb here. I'm going to add something. Okay. Go out and see it on a Friday or Saturday night. Wow. Yeah, when it's most busy. And tell your damn theater to turn the volume up. Yeah, I, I mean, if I see it again, I'm going to go... I, okay, I am going to see it again. And I'm going to see it in either IMAX or one of the higher-end theaters. That covers, I think, uh, Captain Marvel, correct? I think so. I think it does. Finally, ladies and gentlemen, I am so excited to bring this to you guys. We have developed a friendship with the band Lunar1982. That's L-U-N-R-1982. No, it's Lunar1982. Thank you. Why does it say 84 on the notes? Because I can't remember notes to save my life. Or I can't remember numbers <laughs> to save my life. It's a thing. It happens to people. But look, guys, we're we're actually, so excited. Write, actually, I didn't write that. That was Jimmy. <laughs> it's because there's like eight synthwave bands that have 1984 in their names. Well, I was born in 1984. Anyway, a couple of years prior to that, we had the uh, birthing of Lunar 1982. A little bit about them real quick. Uh, uh, they're originally an indie pop outfit. Uh, they're synth pop new wave out of Los Angeles, California. They like us here on the show. They mostly just try and remember what it was like to watch movies back in the eighties. And they want to recapture the feeling with that music. I certainly feel like they do with that song and in all of their other stuff that they've done so far. Uh, their debut single is morning light. It's out on YouTube uh, a good friend of theirs on her YouTube channel premiered that song that is Soul Search and Destroy on YouTube if you want to look her channel up. So a uh, little shout out there. You know, definitely check that out as well. Man, these guys are great. They're super nice. We've talked to Taz so many times through Twitter. Uh, they've been absolutely so supportive of the podcast. And when they reached out to us and said, hey, could you guys premiere a song for us? I, I lost it. I, I didn't know what to say. I waited several hours to let my emotions calm down for this because it was just a, such a cool thing to be asked to do. So this is November is Mine by Lunar1982 with Shy Guys featuring George Ergelnidze.
So here's the official word from Lunar1982. The single was originally meant to be part of the official compilation in conjecture with the new John Carpenter film Halloween, but the project fell through, unfortunately. Uh, we sort of fell in love with it and decided to release it on our own later. We're doing a limited edition cassette, uh, just only 10 copies, uh, courtesy of Synthetic Records is a uh, in parentheses Russian Federation. The tapes will include some exclusive B-side remixes from some of the OGs of Synthwave and Dark Synth, which this track kind of like goes in and out. It it kind of weaves in and out of Synthwave and Dark Synth. Yeah, it does. So we will, of course, play the, the full song at the end of this podcast if you want to check that out. And I really enjoyed the song. I've listened to it a bunch of times already. We We got it, I think, a little bit last week. And at first, there's very few synthwave vocal bands that I'm used to. Most of it is, is you know, just musical. So like, you know, the Midnight, FM, FM 84, uh, and Scandroid are like the real vocal ones I listen to a lot, I think. So. Yeah, these. And this is, this is very vocal heavy early on. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of, it's kind of cool. It's like, it's vocals forward. It's kind of neat. Yeah, and it you know those vocals are by George Ergolmidze, who, for me, he just really, learned how to say the name, and now he's like, it's just going to drop it everywhere. And I'm, I, I'm I, ter- am. I am terrified that we actually got a YouTube clip on how to say it sent to us, which was kind <laughs> of we funny. did. Yeah, Lunar nineteen eighty two. I I went on there. I was doing show notes last night, and I was like, oh geez, <laughs> I don't want to say this wrong. But George Ergolmidze, yeah, said it again. I'm confident in that. But he's one of the vocal talents in in synthwave that really kind of pulled me into going man i really like male vocals in synthwave i I love female vocals as well don't get me wrong you know nina um uh there there are so many others but coming from an electronic background i really focused heavily on female driven electronic music morchiba portishead uh you know etc um but George has just got this great voice. And, and for me, you know, it's up there with Tyler Lyle from the midnight, uh, Clayton Swell, Clayton, Clayton cell dweller, uh, from Scandroid and cell dweller and circle of dust. And, um, there's another name I'm forgetting, but it's just really great stuff, man. I, I love this track. It's, it has a little bit of feel of, you know, the, the night rider theme. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Rob, I think that was Rob that pulled that one out, right? That was me. Oh, okay. But Rob Rob made an interesting point while he was listening to it. I'd like to know what that is. Oh, yeah, I mean what, the What what did it remind you of? It oh, okay. Yeah. It gotcha. while, while listening to the song, it it really reminded me of like walking around Halloween Horror Nights. All right, so I want to ask you guys a question. When you listen to this track and you close your eyes, what do you think of? Where are you? What's happening? Lost Boys. Lost Boys. Okay, Lost. very good. Because, because a lot of my a lot of my references and stuff are all movie related. Movies are kind of my thing, so mm-hmm. I, I relate um, a lot of things back to movies. Yeah, I certainly feel that too, and I, I feel like it would be unfortunate if this song was not featured in the uh, Lost Boys CW reboot. Awesome. Oh God, wouldn't it? Um, the thing- <laughs> but they also they also need to have what is it? I still believe. Timmy Capello. He's yeah. got to be in there, man. They still, they got to have, I still believe in there somewhere as well. He's yeah. got to be in the first episode. Otherwise I'm done. You hear that CW? Yeah. Don't, don't on it. it up. Greg, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I was, I was thinking 
I didn't think Lost Boys specifically, but I was basically thinking Lost Boys. I was like an abnormally warm November. <laughs> like I don't sure. know, partially because of the name. Because yeah, it. Uh, I'm trying to think. Oh, see, and I, I didn't get abnormally warm from it. I got, I got more. I mean, I know it's, I know it says November in the title, but I got more of like a um, uh, overcast, uh, almost, almost like a raining, but like a drizzly kind of day. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Let me tell you what I got. I, I think it's a very much a uh, nobody driving. Oh, oh wait, thank what? you. <laughs> it's very much a driving. No, you said you don't care. <laughs> Oh, don't be like that, Jimmy. I'm not. So for me, when I close my eyes and I listen to the song, it's a very much a uh, protagonist of a story driving towards danger that they know they might not make it out of. Uh, they're, they're driving down the road, and there's clips of them on the face. They're tired, but they know they have to complete this mission, and they show little side clips of the mountains going by and things like that, top down in the Camaro. Maybe with uh, flashbacks of, of like all the battles that they've had getting up yep. to that point. But they're going to the final boss. Yeah. Oh, I see that. Yep. 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 yep, yep. You feel it? Cool. I feel that. Yeah. I'm glad and you do. My internal television is broken. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Like you're going to rescue somebody, but you might not make it out. You might rescue them, but you, you, you might not win. You know, you, you, you might lose your life. Um, it like I said, it, it very much walks the line between dark synth and synthwave, and I absolutely love that about this song. So for me, Greg, who who does George's uh, vocals remind you of? And I thought this was very interesting when you said this. The the very first like the opening vocals, I thought it sounded like the guy from AFI, Davy Havoc. Yeah, Davy Havoc, and yeah. not just in AFI but Black Audio, which like when I first heard him. Because the first time I heard this, it was sent to me very late at night, and I couldn't listen to it loud because I was like next to my sleeping wife, and I was playing it through my phone. So I was like, I listened to the first like minute or so, and I'm like, okay, I have to listen to this tomorrow. And I was like, wow, those vocals sound a lot like Davy Havoc. <laughs> but yeah, and or like old school, like some of the British uh, new wave invasion of like the early '80s. Okay, um, I get that, but let me tell you who that reminds me of. Okay. It's later David Bowie. Really? So yeah. like Dark Star era? Dark Star, yep. Yep. Huh. The first time I heard George Ergonlidze on a track, I thought it was David Bowie. Okay. So I kind of hear that, and I still make that connection, and it makes me feel pretty good because God bless Starman. But George certainly does have his own style. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's great vocals. Like you were saying earlier, I don't know a whole lot about music theory, but I think he's just right on. I think the uh, the music in this from, you know, when the bass comes in, I, I think it's, uh, you know, got a lot of different layers to it. Uh, as if, too. sorry, <laughs> 90s reference there. What are you, Clarissa explains it all? <laughs> no, he's just clueless. Get out of here, Ferguson. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so, the world. To this song, I salute my shorts. Um, <laughs> yes, you don't need to salute him. Just eat my shorts. Oh, there you go. Nice. All righty then. Let's move on. <laughs> it's coming out on March the 20th. So just a couple of days after this release of the podcast, I believe you can get it on, uh, there's a bunch of ways you can get it, but I'm, I'm assuming mm-hmm. it'll be on Bandcamp, which is where I tend to buy all of my synthwave stuff. Yeah. So 
look into it, do our friends a favor. Uh, if you like the song, check them out on, on Bandcamp and whatever, you know, you're, you're listening to them on, we will be playing that in its entirety at the end of the show. Yeah. And, and if you go to Bandcamp, you know, I think it's like a dollar. One time at Bandcamp. <laughs> yes. And if you go to Bandcamp, <laughs> that, uh, you know, but by all means, you know, it's like a dollar for the song. So show them the money. Guys, that brings us to our question of the week. So based As on posed our, by Rob, by the way. Nice. Yes. Very good. Uh, based on our conversation about Captain Marvel, the question is, what are the top five female characters that should have their own film? And who's going to go first? Uh, I have a question, Mr. Okay. Question Poser. Sure. Uh, if the film is in production, should it not be on the list? I was I was just going to mention that. Um, I kind of feel that if it's already in production – that it shouldn't count, or if the plans are already there, but we'll we'll go ahead and allow it. Well, because I can ch- I can change that. I kind of want it to go away because the reason we're asking, of course, is Black Widow is in production and they've begun casting. I, I yes. believe they just cast uh, uh, Emma Watson as something. There's there's actually a couple of them that are. I was like, oh no shit, they're really doing that movie too. Okay, yeah. So okay, so uh, I guess we will leave out Black Widow unless that hurts anyone's list. Because no, it doesn't. Black okay. Widow was not on my list. Very nearly made mine. Okay, so Black Widow has is uh, a uh, is going to be a movie. So it doesn't mean that it shouldn't be on there. Just you know, okay. So who is going first? Is it my lot in life? It is right. Yeah, it's it definitely is. All right. So mine was uh, significantly different than yours, Greg. Uh, my number five is going to be eleven. Uh, okay. Yeah, I believe that Eleven should have her own movie. Number four is that one episode with that featured her, where she was hanging out with like DC eighties style yeah, punks. But there's so much more. Yeah, you know. So I I think Eleven is definitely there on number five. My number four is Miss Selena Kyle. Okay, and that is Catwoman. Mm-hmm. And by by this you mean she should have her own good film? Yes. Yes, not a crappy film. Yes. Oh, they did one with Halle Berry, didn't they? Not, they did. No, they didn't. No, shut your damn mouth. It didn't exist. That okay. that did not happen. All right, we're we're never gonna talk about that again. Yeah. <laughs> Number three, also mentioning Halle Berry, Storm. I thought about that one too. Okay. I I think Storm should definitely. I uh, what's her name? Dark Phoenix, Gray, Jean Gray, Jean Gray. Uh, was. About to make my list, but that I, I realize that they're making Dark Phoenix and it looks so bad. But Storm it, definitely. The it, American trailer looks terrible. It, it looks bad as in awesome or bad as in terrible? No, bad terrible. Bad as in terrible. The American oh. trailer looks bad. If you watch the Japanese trailer or the Korean trailer, I'm not sure because I don't speak either of those languages. Um, mm-hmm. It's significantly better. Like, much better. Rob, do you think it looks good? I. I want it to be good so bad. Dark. I Phoenix, know you do. Dark Phoenix is my favorite. absolute favorite yeah. comic storyline, right, right in front of the Infinity Gauntlet series. Um, and I want it to be good so badly because they they effed it up so much. Because Rob really likes murderous redheads. I do. I do. <laughs> uh, let's get back to my list. Number two is Monica Rambeau, okay. aka Photon, um, aka so many other things. Uh, from this movie. From yep. Captain from Captain Marvel. And my number one, though I don't know how feasible it is now, though I guess it could be, is Lady Mechanica. 
Okay. Oh God, how did I forget that? I I know. I saw your list and I was like, how did Greg forget that? I'm Lady sorry. McKenna. I'm sorry, Zatanna. You have yeah. to go. <laughs> Definitely. So there are my top five. Okay, I'm jumping in here. Uh, my list did get rearranged, of course. Uh, uh, Black Widow went out. Batwoman dis- disappeared because she actually has a TV show coming out. Uh, mm-hmm. Spider Gwen. I actually hate the character in general, but I liked it. I liked her in uh, Spider Verse, so I was kind of torn on that one. But my new number five, Lady Mechanica. Thank, Thank you, Jimmy. You. You're welcome. Yeah. Number four is Molly Carpenter, who is a character from the Dresden Files. Mm-hmm. And as I was reading those books, because I have now gotten to the point of where I'm done with the ones that have been written, but as I was reading them, I was like, I would love to see another series with this character as kind of a, almost like, a, I was thinking it like an introduction series, like a young adult style series, because she has a younger character in it, but she actually grows up through the series. So, But nonetheless, I would love to see a movie with her. I would love to see a series with her. So Molly Carpenter, badass, cool character. I'm going to go with Witchblade. There was a TV show, but mm-hmm. it was before some of the major special effects really kind of took hold. I think a good Witchblade movie would be pretty cool. Yeah, it would be good. And it could lead to a small combined universe with the darkness, which would also be kind of neat. Uh, and my number two is actually the Dazzler. And Dazzler is one of a low-level powered X-Men character. Mm-hmm. There was a one of my first ever like comic, like when you buy the comics that are, I guess, a back issue that you actually pay, have to pay a little more for was an issue of X-Men where Dazzler was like, she was an eighties performing kind of like gem kind of character. And she had a stalker and it was like legitimately scary that this person that actually had powers, but she was powerless to a guy kind of sneaking up behind her behind stage with the knife and like kind of taking her hostage. And well, I don't think they should do that in the movie, but it was just a, you know, what's it like being a lower level powered character that everyone knows who you are. I thought that'd be Mm -hmm. kind of a neat story. Jubilee. Yeah, like that, but no one knew, really knew who she was. Like Dazzler was actually famous, and she would go on stage and do her like pop stuff and make lights. Because I think her power is what she could absorb sound and make light out of it, like hard light. So and a cool character, and to- like and totally do it in the seventies because I think the seventies, like her seventies look, was like awesome and iconic. Uh, number one is actually Ms. Marvel for me, not Captain Marvel, but Ms. Marvel. Uh, she is the new Kamala version Khan. of her. Yes, Kamala Khan. It's it's just an interesting comic. Because she had like she lives in a very strict kind of Pakistani household, but she's also a superhero, and her brother thinks she's just kind of sneaking out to date boys, and it just it's so well written, and you like, and it shows you just a different culture, and it's it's even set in New Jersey, so like even that aspect of it where it's kind of like you can see the big city off in the distance, but she's kind of handling like low level crimes. Mm-hmm. It's just it's a neat it's a neat comic. It's one of the it was actually one of the last comics I kind of continued reading after I sort of like quit. So I would say, I would say Ms. Marvel, I would love to see it. It's going to happen eventually, but after you retired. Yeah. Well, I, I read digital now, like the, the all you can eat kind of Marvel unlimited thing. Um, so I read kind of five months by, beyond the date, but that was one of them. I made sure that I kept reading like pretty uh, religiously, despite that being a pun. So Ms. Marvel, my number one. Nice. Well, I'll, I'll do my list. At at number five, I'm going to stick in a character who has actually appeared in a movie already. However, we could totally get an entire movie with this character and just have it be all kinds of ridiculous Rube Goldberg things, uh, Final Destination type crap going down, and that's Domino. 
Uh, that'd be fun. Yes. I'd, I'd love to see that. Just all, all the weird crap that happens to just conspire to let Domino do whatever the hell she wants. I, I watched that, that was... movie again the other day. I was, uh, the family was gone. So I watched that. I finally watched Venom, by the way. Um, it was nice. okay. I didn't think it was great, but it was good. Um, and I watched Over uh, Overlord, which I thought was fantastic. Yes, so that's way an aside, but good. Number, but but number luck four. isn't a superpower. We'll just agree that it is. Yes. Um, at number four, and the reason she's at number four is because the male version of this has already been done. But I still think that this particular this particular one would lend itself well to even a female playing it. In fact, the the I I mean because totally sexist, but I'd totally consider like female superheroes to be in the more agile category. So I would like to see X 23, which is basically the female version of Wolverine. Yeah. She was, she was hovering on my list as well. Mm -hmm. So she's, she's at number four. And like I said, she's only at number four because the, the male version of it has already been done. Um, at number three, I'll, I'll, I'm going to steal one from Greg and I'm going to put Molly Carpenter. I think that's a great story and she's got all kinds of ridiculous powers and I'd really like to see it. At number two, I'm going to put Miss Marvel or Ms. Marvel. And at number one, I can't believe you guys missed this one because number one is quite obviously Stripperella. No, <laughs> no, no it is. Didn't they already do that? <laughs> it is not Stripperella. That she is incorrect. Um, at number one, I'm going to put, just because I want to see what they would do with it because it might be campy and kind of fun. I, I number one, I'm putting Squirrel Girl. Yeah, that's gonna happen too. I think it should, but Squirrel Girl is gonna be my number one. And I, uh, I honestly don't really even know what her powers are. Although I have seen, I have seen on a couple of lists that she's listed as the most powerful uh, mutant or the most powerful hero or something in the Marvel universe, which I think yeah. is kind of a joke. Well, but, I think Squirrel Girl appeared as a joke. Started off, I think it was one of those like where every pan where every panel shows like the people trying out to be on the Avengers kind of thing, mm -hmm. and I think that's where she started. She did um, end up on the the what the Great Lakes Avengers, which were like all like these silly, ridiculous kind of characters, right? That didn't um, really have useful powers. Yeah, and she you know she debuted in nineteen ninety one, so she's been around for a while. But yeah, there I don't exactly know why they say that but i've seen it more than once that she is like the like impossibly impossible to defeat and i don't know exactly how that is so uh yeah, it'd be fun too yeah so i think it would be a fun movie which is why i put it at, i put her at number one okay. i see that okay well i think that does it for all of our, our list i think our lists are too different to actually argue this out also we're running out of time here <sighs> yeah all right well we'll for we'll forego the arguing it out even though Squirrel Girl is number one on all lists. Um, <laughs> but if you would like to contact us and send us your lists, what female, what female characters do you think should be getting their own movie? You can find us on Facebook by searching for the Give Me Five podcast. You can also reach us on Twitter and Instagram at Give Me Five Pod. Or you can email us directly, Give Me Five Podcast at gmail.com. And guys, please help us out. Leave us a review on iTunes or whatever podcast app it is that you're using. It really helps us stand out from the crowd. It helps us get more viewers, find more people, and bring you more content. So leave us a review. And sell more bath mats. Bath mats. And how how would we sell bath? How would someone buy a bath mat, Greg, if they were looking to buy a bath mat? Uh, by going on to giveme5podcast.threadless.com and ordering any of our lovely items, such as t-shirts, uh, uh, mugs, mugs, cell phone cases, no socks. 
Uh, no. <laughs> not yet. Uh, I don't know. Penis cozies. Snuggies. All sorts of stuff. What? Pen- what did you just say? Penis cozies. It, All you, right. you wear them when, so your penis doesn't get cold. I don't know. Rob so Rob sews them for everyone. They're hand they're handmade. They're very nice. Okay. okay. The, the best part is the measuring. Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> the guys also um, do enjoy November's Mine by Lunar nineteen eighty two with Shy Guys featuring George Ergumlidze. Uh Check it out. The uh, single comes out in a couple of days here as of this recording. So. Check him out. Good morning, good afternoon, and good night. Thanks for listening. Hasta la vista, baby. Was that the sound of you stopping the recording? (laughs) It was the sound of him writing it down so he could take it out. Yes. Not what you not what you said, but I started talk I started talking and then the laughter would have been cut weird, so I had to like cut Jimmy cracking up. Not what you said, but after shit. Now I'm Rob I've Rob has rubbed off on me and I hate saying that phrase. Um <laughs> No, Rob has just rubbed on you. Oh. November is mine. Yo